0: So welcome to the Cybersecurity Happy Hour podcast. My name is Christy and episode 39. And the topic for this podcast is Navigating the World of Cybersecurity. And I'm so pleased that I have a special, special guest. And I wish a warm welcome to the podcast. Her name is Mora Awasile. Hello, Maura.
1: Hello, Christy. I'm
0: happy how,
1: to be here. Yeah. <laughs> how
0: are you today? How was your day today? Fine,
1: thank you. Um, I've had a mild day.
0: Oh, that's, that's good. That's good to hear. So, um, could you just tell us a little about yourself and what you do in the information cybersecurity world?
1: Okay, so um, as Christy says, um, my name is Mora um, Awosile. I am a cybersecurity specialist. Uh, I work in cyber defense, specifically within cyber protection and resilience, where I manage change projects um, and um, respond to incidents occurring.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, what I really want to talk about, so we're looking at this... Uh... Uh, this world that we're all in in the cybersecurity. And so many of these topics we're going to discuss usually comes up from time to time. And one of the first ones is in order for you to become a cybersecurity professional or specialist, you need to have this expertise that is demanded from and of the changing um cyber threats. You're expected to have some knowledge in order to deal with these threats and uh, as a result there's always a constant demand on us to be certified to learn new things so we're always always learning and being certified even though you're certified something new comes up and uh, then you need to get a new certification what are your thoughts on that what do you think
1: okay thank you christy that is um, really important and crucial within a cybersecurity career to have a lifelong learning approach so you're constantly learning because, as you said, new threats come up. There's new um, things happening in, within the landscape. Um, and um, without that continuous learning approach, the skill set that you have becomes outdated. So it's really, really key to keep on top of um, your education as a cybersecurity professional. Um, there's what we call continual professional uh, Education CPEs, where if you're a member of a professional organization, you have to keep that updated by attending seminars, listening to podcasts, and just updating your knowledge generally. So, yes, that is very key in terms of um the cybersecurity um profession. Awesome, awesome. Now, I think one of the you
0: know, when people generally talk about cybersecurity, especially those coming into the industry they are confused for example uh they they tend to go for this glamorous thing they think um cyber security, information security is about pen testing so you see that one of the advice i usually give to people is know yourself and you know research different roles so so because there are different career paths in order for all of us to specialize in, you can't one person can't do everything yeah. but i suppose in in throughout the journey of your career in this landscape, you are going to touch on different things and grow um, your career and your interests as well. So for example, like we have like uh, the incident response team, something goes wrong, there's a ransomware, the team gets involved and they're getting hands on. We have the forensic team that investigates the cause and uh, the cause and helps support the team to remediate. We've got pen testers, we've got analysts, we have trainers because somebody has to teach us these things we have researchers so what do you think i mean what advice would you give to somebody coming into the industry and not to look at this as a like a, some parts of it as a, a glamour parts some careers or some roles are more glamorous than others what would you tell somebody just maybe graduating from university yes
1: so my advice would be um in in the first instance, there's um, there's quite a few diverse career paths within cybersecurity. I would I would advise that the individual should look to their strengths, um, do a skills audit, look to what they can bring or how they can leverage what they already have to come into cybersecurity. Because across cybersecurity, there's um, a replication of um, other careers that um, people might have been in prior to coming into cyber. So we've got physical security, we've got security architecture, we've yes. got governance, um, compliance, we've got risks, yes. threat intelligence, as you've alluded to, security operation, security awareness. So the yes. the landscape is wide, yes. and everyone Certainly. can fit in in one area or the other. And you don't have to be honed or to to be restricted to one area. You can yes. start in one area and then walk your way through to your final destination or to a destination. As we've yeah. said, it's continuous learning. So you learn yeah. new things and like want to move move on. So it's it's diverse, it's dynamic. You can, that would be my advice, basically. Awesome. Now, I think
0: one of the things I'll say is, as Jeremy discussed, and I, and I thought about this, is that for new entrants, sometimes, I mean, some of the feedback you, you get from new entrants into the industry for many paths, is that they ask for certifications, but let me give you an example. Let's say they are looking for, let's say, a security analyst, or it could not even be an analyst. It could be somebody just starting their first cyber information security road, And they're asking them for 5 years' experience, the CISSP. And you're thinking what well, this person is starting out. Why are you asking them for these certifications that you need to have Five years expertise, and a lot of people saying that it's unfair, and that stops people coming in. That's as a barrier for, uh, especially when we constantly hear you. You probably hear this that oh, there's a cybersecurity shortage. There's a cybersecurity shortage, and I know many people who are probably capable. Some don't have certification, they have hands-on experience, but sometimes. They, they have to show they have the certification to prove their knowledge well in some cases some people probably got recruited through work experience and the company decided to take them on and probably sponsor their sponsor their learning the education but but generally there's a high barrier for people coming in do you think that leads to this shortage that we implied the, the that we have?
1: I think most definitely it does, to be fair. However, what I do know is that that kind of behaviour, asking for certifications for entry-level jobs, has been yes. is constantly being called out. So we are in a position where employers are starting to listen to that, be more specific about their needs. And personally, I would encourage anyone with the skill set or but no certifications to still apply for jobs that have these certification requirements on that on them, um, going through or displaying with um, in-depth explanation of what they can do. And I think sometimes, anyway, let's just say sometimes you just never know because some yeah, of these yeah. managers have not been exposed to CISSP or the yeah, systems yeah. of this one, and they just put it on the job description. And when the, the caliber of the candidates come through, then it's more like yeah. they can then renegotiate the expectations.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think that's a a good point
0: because it's like those who are... I wonder if they do communicate to the hiring manager to see what the needs of the organisation, you know, because if if you speak to the person hiring, the person hiring should have some knowledge and education of what staff they will call the level of competency and level of skills, uh, and then what they can do to to tailor that job description to what they want so to, to have that vision but as i said it's an ongoing there is some change but uh it is still it's, it's still a work in progress i would say um now i mean generally i mean we talk about cyber security uh information security insecure information it is for any company of any size because sometimes Uh, People think it has to be this large company. company. No, even if you're a micro-organisation, I believe you must still secure data uh, always, because we said the threats are always there. So I would say the advantages of um, our efforts together uh, will, will, and also collaboration and exchange of data within limits, will help you know, give that overall protection to organisations that we work with or consult consulting. Um, one another thing I want to talk about is salary expectations. What is your view on salary? And what I want to say there's one aspect of what one one team who believe that if you work in security. You are going to be paid top dollar again, depends on the country that you're in. Mm. And people go in not because of their interest in security, mm. but because of the money. Do you think that is, that's a, a, a I mean, I, 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 I might be too general. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I think that's a fair comment. Um, yes. However, when you're thinking about um, salary expectations within cybersecurity, in some areas that they, they yeah, could yeah. be quite high but it's a lot yeah. of work and sometimes yes. to achieve those high salaries you've got to position yourself to ensure that you're able to take on that level of responsibility so that it you, you are now rewarded for what you bring yeah. to the people mm. or what you deliver so mm. that that would be my comment with regard to salary expectations and there's yeah. still organizations who kind of still maintain the general it bar Information technology yeah. are and they don't pay cybersecurity professionals excessive amounts just because yeah. they are in
0: security. Yes. So again, it's true. Depends on if you're working for the private, within private sector or the public sector, the pay varies as well, um, and not just the pays and the benefits. And um, I, I said it depends on what again you're paid. I, I suppose with any sort of work, you're paid based on your expertise. Yeah. Um imagine if you're a CISO, if one wants to become a CISO, you should know that if something happens, your head might roll. With, you may be the first one to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so again, so one obviously that, that shouldn't really put people off, but one should be realized that based yeah. on his you know um, historic um events. That sometimes people look to the CISO and think, okay, you should have known about this. You're the expertise. We are paying you for this. So if something goes wrong, it is your fault. So you, you get you get paid high to, to uh have the sleepless nights and uh, manage all the risks as well. And work with multiple teams. So it can be stressful. As I said it's like any sort of work, in my opinion. Sometimes there are highs and there's lows, sometimes. Um but you just if, if you have the love for it you just have to ride with it i think that's my opinion on this um so um as i said the uh, a CEO for example they're responsible for shaping the direction of uh the organization and again, because they're top level they deal with the strategies then you have the obviously the tactical team and operation team so it depends on which one falls into some people generally are should not use the word uh, introverts, and they uh, prefer working by themselves. So they will be going for that CISO position, because when you get to that top level, you're going to be in meetings, you know, you're going to have to obviously uh, speak with all your stakeholders as well. So um, going back to what we said initially, know yourself, because mm-hmm. if you're not that... But tell you, if, let's say, let us say, let me say, for example, let's say you, you're a pen tester, and you're introvert for example you still have to present your findings yes you do <laughs> is there any way that someone who's an introvert can overcome those persons is there any way what can they do to change or to enhance that area of themselves that's considered a weakness
1: okay so yes yeah, so um it's not actually a weakness. It's just a way of being. They're introverted. Yeah. But you yeah. find a lot of introverted people can function yeah. Yeah. in extrovert roles. So I'll give you an yes. example. Typically, you will think a scrum master is someone who likes to talk a lot, um, yeah. organize things. But I've interacted with scrum masters who that is their job and yeah. they know how to manage their introverted nature in yes. opposition to what they actually do. So it could be things like coming coming into work twice a week, doing their um, scrum mastering role, and doing all the stakeholder engagement and management. And on the other hand, spending the other three days doing the documentation and the more quieter stuff that they that kind of that aligns with their introverted nature. So that's yes. one way that you could one could manage a scenario where you are in a role that that um, I won't say conflicts with who you are as a person. Yeah. And I've known yeah. that from experience, sometimes introverts can become, well, not extremely extroverted, but can yes. move up the scale if you if you yes. see what I mean and be yeah. a bit more extrovert than and well, being extremely introverted. So there's yeah. been instances um where people's careers can kind of help develop their um nature if you like um, yeah. and make them a bit more aligned to what they actually choose to do yeah, I suppose it's true
0: yeah so it's like we have different parts of ourselves
1: yes and we
0: use different parts depending on, on circumstances that we uh, that's in front of us yeah okay so let's i mean they are so many positives. I think we've talked about a lot of the positives that obviously salary, we've talked about, we talk about money, we've talked about continuous learning. Yep. Um, we've talked about growth in the role and as a person and how obviously you working within the team and strategies. However, let's look at the other side of it, which is let's let them say sometimes there is you're given a responsibility and the pressure that comes with it. OK, so because you might be sometimes, you know, the only depends on the size of the company, so something might have a large organization with only two people as a security team and the role of security generally falls on you. Yeah. And that makes it gives a little bit of, bit of pressure to that member of staff. Is there any way you think that someone under pressure can navigate or reduce the pressure of the job?
1: Wow, that's um an interesting question. Yes. Right. So really, depending on well, it depends in the first instance on the individual yes. and what they what they can cope with uh, with cybersecurity yeah. careers. I I find that once capacity does increase, you kind of go in and know that um I'm going to have to stretch if that yes. makes sense. So now, in terms of um being able to what what can one do um with regards pressure at work, then it Part part of that falls on the organisation and how they have um, organised these roles to cope with with their security needs. Now, yes. some of that they can uh, an organisation can control, and some is outside of their control. So, what is within their control is being able to recruit number of resources that they really need to deal with. The size of the organisation and the kind of intelligence they have on the threats, the the threats that have previously been monitored by the organisation. So that's really key. As an individual, um, it's about um, being knowing yourself and knowing yes. where your limits are. So what we want to avoid is that individuals be- become burnt out in a role yeah. because they are applying themselves too much. So and being vocal as an individual to discuss this with your line manager or with your colleagues at work and um, having a good team, having a good team also help in terms of um, um, dealing with pressure at work, which is what we're essentially talking about. And a lot of cybersecurity professionals, unfortunately, fall into this trap where they've um, exerted themselves, they stretch themselves too thinly and then they then take the brunt of the pressurizing and stress stress um that then comes on them.
0: Exactly. Which could lead to it could move from work into into the personal lives as well.
1: Uh, oh definitely. There's yeah. nothing you're in, uh, going through at work that doesn't find its way back into your personal life and can even if sometimes um get some long-term damage. So people yes. then you know, which is not where we want to be as professionals. No, of course so not no. Safeguarding that before that point comes. And there's so much information out there about um, self-care, mental health, taking, yeah. you know, putting yourself first, that um, professionals really, really need to uh, be on top of so that yeah. they don't fall into that trap that a lot of people have fallen into. So what do you think is responsible for providing those resources? Is it
0: the employer or do you think it's the individual who has to find out that, that information for themselves?
1: I think it goes both ways. I think um, the the organization has a duty to um, safeguard their employees um, and provide information that helps to do that, provide resources, provide um, counseling, anything that could potentially help their employees. I think the organization has a responsibility, but also the individual too has that responsibility of knowing where their limit is no one can yes. um, determine that for the individual it would have to be that and that's part of our professional development yeah where you've tried things you know when you have to leave things and take a break you know knowing to, um to look after yourself eat the right things exercise yeah. all of those things come into yes. it. yeah awesome
0: thank you as we're saying again what some of the causes again you know it depends on the role as i said for yes. example uh when people become stock analysts um some of them not aware that they may be on call yes sometimes it might be regular hours that like you're doing you know you, you probably have to uh something happens you have to be there and then you're sitting down watching the screen for a long time which can have uh, an impact on your your visual or your eyes really and also work-life balance definitely because if you if you're going to you that you work for a company that obviously have a 24-hour security operation centre and yes. you're working shifts and you it, it will have an impact on on your personal life mm-hmm. and i think sometimes again is the awareness of that i think sometimes maybe people are not aware that some cyber security roles yeah have these sort of hours as well mm-hmm. So do you think that, uh, how would they know? Do you think that that it should it should be spoken a bit more often or in the
1: job description probably highlighted a little bit more possibly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The job description should ha- actually have details of what the job requires yes. and yes. also have a portion where they talk about incidents because when there yes. is an incident in the SOC, you know the SOC yes. analyst is not going home. Exactly. There, yeah, 28, 24 hours, 48 hours straight, you know, because there's an incident and everyone is running around. Even people in the back office are helping to support, to resolve the inc- yeah. incident. So I think that should be made clear and yeah. even throughout the interview process that should be repeated. But also in addition to that is what is in place to support yeah. the um, employee uh, throughout the process so that the employee is now in a position to yes. make an informed decision. One of the other things that's key as well is that um taking this information into universities so that aspiring um professionals can be exposed to what potential careers in this area what it looks like what it feels like there's also work experience exposing this um ex- exposure to what like a soccer analyst might do for a short yeah, period yeah. of time so that this yeah. The aspiring individual can have a taster of what it's yes. like to work within a SOC for instance um there are other yes. areas of of cyber but just using the SOC as an example as an example yes uh, mention about universities
0: i recently went i'm not going to mention university oh, okay but they're very good and i went for different purpose and it wasn't the one that opened it I said I didn't go for the cyber security but I went for different purpose so I decided to well oh, you know let me go check out the cyber security talk what is it that, what is it that they're telling these young people coming into the industry? the professor the room the the hall was full and uh, so there was a lot of interest the parents there and, and people trying to looking to get into this and he explained talked about the roles he did talk about the different roles I think it was it, sometimes when you go to these things like a sales thing, oh uh our graduates are working in this industry, they work in this industry so it's sometimes it's more focused on once you graduated, you'd be working for this top company, but not actually talking about what else happens there mm-hmm. for example, we talk burnout yes so so there are a number. Of analysts leaving because of burnout. Yes,
1: definitely, the turnover yeah. in cybersecurity is high. It's high,
0: yeah. and and I say and I, and I said we're discussing it here because it is not discussed as much. It's it's all about you're going to get this top job. I said based on this was a couple of months ago. I went to this talk, and I said I'm going to mention university, but it was selling. Oh, you. Most of our graduates here was working in companies. Did work in companies. Okay, yes, the the degree um, breakdown was very good. The you know spread over three years was good. However, what happens when you leave? Because people still have this glamorized uh, uh, image of cybersecurity or information security. And I'm not sure if that's due to films like uh, or problems like Mr. Robot. I, I, I can't, I, I don't know where that comes from. But that sometimes is what people think. Or they think if you work in cybersecurity, for best, you're a hacker. No, as you just mentioned, <laughs> the many roads. But it's good for us, as we're discussing here, just to make it real for, for whoever listens to this podcast, yes. the other side of it, it can be burnout if yes. you do not pace yourself. Yep. So uh, in, in my opinion as well, I think one thing I, I always like to say, when you're applying for work, research the company you're going to be working for. Okay. Do your research and look at the reviews of the company. See what ex-employees are saying and what the current employees are saying. Yes. Because um, it might look glamorous for myself, but when you go in, of course you have to work because you're there to do a, a task. However, you, you know, you're not at the detriment of your health. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think it's, it's a good thing we talk about bone uh, uh, burnout. So again, we can talk about the list of stress. Um, least to then other other uh, <laughs> other illnesses come in, and you can't work mm. at all, or you have to take a break for 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 some take time out. Yeah. Um, other things um so we talk about uh burnout we talked about um the long hours well, now we're talking about we will talk about mental health um uh so an employer she said typically they would have a commission and they usually have occupational health where if you have a, a challenge with you're, you're, then you then they can either send you to a professional health to the experts, which employer is supposed to pay out, pay for, or they refer to your doctor. So having those counselings we said counselling services, if possible, to again to promote that kind of stress free environment.
1: Mm. Um, I. Yeah. okay i'll tell you oh. what um so i have just been um through mental um first aider training mental first aider training where yes. um in my organization they've they've rolled out this training to members of the cyber security team to actually yes. go to be mental first aiders so they are in a position to recognize the signs yes. of when once mental health is being, um, it's getting to that point where it's been affected and also to support other colleagues. So there's yes. a recommendation that one in 10 members of employees should be a mental first aider. So one to 10 awesome. and that people, awesome. this information is circulated across the organization. There's avenues for people to come and talk about any mental health issues that they're yes. facing, even if it's just uh, to, to discuss past incidents, because that's another thing. Past incidents might trigger something within a cybersecurity environment that yes. then leads to a detrimental a mental health situation. So it's about being able to catch that early with different kinds of techniques that we've learned, and then being able to support that individual and make sure well, ensure that they are in a good place. And then, obviously, if, if the opposite is the case, it's about referring them then to specialists or, or professionals.
0: Awesome. So do you think, again, they're having a workload management spread, you know, mm. like having time management and obviously sharing the work within the team equally, based obviously on expertise, will, will go a long way towards reducing
1: stress? Absolutely. And this comes down to recruitment and retention policies within the organization. So when a a line manager is is looking to recruit, he has to be really clear about the number of resources he needs so that there could be that shared workload. And um, in terms of people's strengths and weaknesses, it's quite a lot to manage and juggle. But if it's if it's done properly, then the workload management should be quite um, seamless and uh, people should feel. Um, like they're part of a team that they can cover for each other. They can support yeah, one yeah. another. They can ask questions. They can learn new things. Just work yeah, off right. each other rather than working in silos. And then people feel quite frustrated because they can't talk yeah. to their colleagues, you know. And even sometimes the workload is is it's um, overwhelming, but they can't yes. voice that out. Which then comes back to even having a good relationship with your peers and with your that's line right. manager. So all of yes, these yeah. policies within the workplace, recruiting people who are people managers are not people who are just yes. who just want to 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 be within that setting, but have a a passion for managing people because it's quite sensitive managing yes. people within cybersecurity. Yes, recruiting people with a passion and who have that know how to do it properly that is yes. key to workload management and like kind of reducing stress from that um, perspective. Okay, now I want to talk about something something that is probably
0: not talked as much. Do you think? There is bullying in the workplace, in the in the, in the infosec, or among security professionals.
1: Um, I've heard of it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm <sorry. laughs> I have heard of it. I yes. have to recognise the environment is quite um, dynamic, quick pace. Yes. And these are the kind yes. of things that happen in such an environment yes. where um, people can't speak up because of the yes. fear yes. of being um, singled out or... or, or yes being bullied, you know. Yes. So I've heard of it, but um, for for employers who have taken the time yes. and um have set their cybersecurity practice up properly, that there yes. shouldn't be that those things because that is what would then make put a dent into your workforce, and then that leads yes. to the organization not being properly protected, and then what you yes. to happen is what then happens. But so there is a lot that goes into planning a cybersecurity service, you know, yes. in terms of, you know, all of those organ- all of those behaviors that you want to exclude and the ones you want to encourage. Like yes. uh, having a workforce that thrives um, and open management system where people are um, are psychologically safe. Yes. to disclose, yeah. to have discussions, to ask questions, to challenge if they need to. Um, and that is um, the kind of, um, of environment that um, organisations should be promoting for their cybersecurity service.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and as I said, wherever we work, we want it to be—I don't want to say a happy place, but a place that one can work in peace and obviously achieve uh, achieve whatever uh, task they set ahead of them. Um, one final thing I want to just talk about. I don't know if this opinion. I mean, now, you know, during the pandemic, obviously uh, organizations transitioned from working in an office into and people working from home. What are your thoughts now? Where things are now reversed, people are called back to the office. Do you think that we can have can cybersecurity or security in general? Can we really protect an org- organization working from home?
1: An interesting question. There are certain roles within cybersecurity that can still work yes. from home yes. and be effective in their roles and in delivery. I think there are certain roles that thrive better in the office or that thrive better through the hybrid um, arrangement. Okay. Um, and I think it's about um, revisiting each role within the organization and having that candid um discussion with yes. the with your employees um yeah. and again it could be that some employees will, will um make the decision to move on or even transition into different roles if yeah. working from home is such a big part of their lives and i i have been in contact with people who want to be in the office yeah. So even in that respect, it's not such a bad thing. There's some people who would want to work from the office and yes. that should be encouraged. But without that openness and op- openness within the organization, I've yes. talked about psychological safety. If you're yes. speaking to employees and they're not sure where, what the um, output or the outcome of their co- the conversation is, they might be hiding behind um, the, the, the reasoning that they don't want to be fired. Yeah, and exactly. not be honest and come up front to say, this is my preferred pattern of working, yeah. which then leads to other issues. But yes. then, if there could be that open and honest environment, um, it could be a win-win for both yeah. the organisation and the employee.
0: Awesome. So in conclusion, so so obviously we, while we've talked about the, 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 the benefits, Uh, or the pros and cons of working in this cyber world that we are, information security world that we are. So there are exciting um, uh, challenges and opportunities, and because we are tasked, the reason why we are responsible for securing organisation, again, as a team, it's not not one person does it, working as a team, we can help manage the risk, identify the risk, manage the risk, and probably provide solutions to our clients uh, the, and organizations that we're working. So, working again together, the success of doing this is uh, having uh, a good collaboration, uh, technical expertise, and again, being ethical as well. Ethics, we should not forget ethics as well. Uh, we're all bound by ethics. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Uh, so much more. so this is uh it's been a very, very very interesting discussion and it's been quite enlightening as well it sometimes and the reason why we to, it makes us think that is and for me i wanted us to highlight okay yes we're working in this in this uh, landscape but it can also have a negative um impact on us as a person and I don't like I don't want it to be too glamorous. But to I want to go in because that's all I hear. I want to work in cybersecurity. I want to work in cyber information security. That's all fantastic. But we have to obviously balance it. And I, sometimes I'm I'm sorry to say this, but it is a role, it's a job after all. Yeah. That you're gonna retire. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna leave one day and somebody will take over uh, from you. Yeah okay, that that's all we have today. Um Thank you everyone for tuning in and a big, big thank you to our special guest, Maura, and all your insights. I really appreciate you coming and discussing these topics and getting your insights and your expertise. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.